0: voice memos
1: podcast with jen and myron hey welcome to voice memos i am myron clifton and my co-host is jennifer so jennifer is a wonderful lady she's originally from wisconsin now in california flaming redhead with a beautiful big old dog named mojito that i call beast she's a great sister daughter and a great friend and uh, she is my co-host hey jennifer
0: Hello, hello. So nice that we're recording this because I get to save this and hear this over and over again, the compliments that you gave me.
1: So- I lied.
0: This is my friend and probably my bestest friend. I've known Myron over 20 years. He is a published author. He is an amazing writer, highly intelligent. And one thing that I can really tell you about him that stands out, is how he raises his daughter,
1: Leah. <laughs> <laughs> right, because like, I, you know how you get to someone's, someone else's house and they have remote controls that you know. There's like 15
0: with? of them. Yes,
1: it's like you're in a <laughs> whole other- it's like you're a whole other planet. It's like, well, what do these controls do? And it's, and it's like all the remotes, they all have the same little buttons on them. But for some reason, they don't all work the same.
0: <laughs> and I hate when I go to someone's house and they only have one, but they have 13 different things. I'm like, how the fuck do you do that? <laughs> I'm actually jealous.
1: And, yeah, and then like someone will tell you, um, hey, if you want to just use a remote, just do blah, 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 <laughs> blah
0: mom and dad my mom's like okay if you want to watch tv you push this button this button this button i'm like wait can you put it on a (laughs) post-it
1: but how is it that in 2022 that there are still about i don't know two three thousand different types of remote controls (laughs) for tv and they're all the same there's a tv there's cable or there's like um satellite but it's all the same functionality right on off uh pause forward, go back, record. That's it. (laughs) That's it. And then, then, you know what? And then people will say, oh, go to Costco and get, or Best Buy and get this universal remote that works for everything. And then you get it and it's as big as a dining room table.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Need help from the Costco guy carrying it out on one of those carts.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And it has 85 buttons. it's like... (laughs) It's like, it's like, it's like, remember back in like the eighties or nineties when, when those uh, wristwatches had um, some, all the geniuses decided that wristwatches needed to have calculators and all that weird stuff. And there's all those tiny little buttons you'd be trying to push, you know, and it just, none of it worked. It was terrible technology.
0: Oh my God. So did you finally get some rest?
1: Oh God, I was, um, I finally got some rest. So we flew back um, from New York. So we so I was in New York um, for a couple of weeks, got COVID. Well, I got COVID here. I was in New York where we did our last show. And then we flew out of New York. We left New York from LaGuardia Airport at about 4 p.m. And we were flying to Minneapolis for some strange reason for layover. And in the air in Minneapolis, they're like, um, actually before we even took off, we sat on the runway for like 30 minutes. They're like, oh, there's bad weather, you know, somewhere and we can't go. So we sat there 30 minutes and then we finally took off. And then when we when we landed in Minneapolis, there was this gigantic storm. We were bouncing around. You know, when they do the, um, they used I don't know if they still do this, but the, um, for the lotto and they have those balls bouncing around in that machine and they pick the lotto numbers out. Yeah that's, yeah, that's what our airplane was like. We were going into into Minneapolis. We were bouncing around in the air like one of those lotto balls.
0: Oh, my God. Uh, the turbulence. Was, was that crazy? It was
1: that bad. It was brutal. I mean, just brutal where you're like holding on. You're holding on. You're thinking about your will. And it's like, you know what? You're telling me, will I survive this crash landing? Like, will I survive? It was that bad, and then so we get there. So we so Minneapolis is air, the Minneapolis Saint Paul um, airport is gigantic. So we landed in gate like C, for example, and because we were late and we had a connecting flight to get to Sacramento that was sort of boarding by the time we landed, and we're at the back of the plane, so we're waiting everybody to get off the plane, and then we had to go to gate C, which was about two point five miles away. Like it was so far and just, you know you're you're just hauling it through this airport but we did make it and that plane left a little bit late but we finally made it to Sacramento um it was late like midnight or something like that so that was a long day they're waiting for a lift that took a while so we didn't get home until about one o'clock
0: damn that you is. know do you have do you did you have um tech did you have text messaging capabilities on the plane? Are you one of those that buy the feature to do that?
1: I don't. I don't pay an extra cent for nothing. Okay.
0: Because <laughs> I was wondering, I should have received a text if you were going to end up going down. Like I should have been the one <laughs> <laughs> that you sent a message to that said you get everything.
1: <laughs> I, I would. You know what? If I sent the message, it would be. The pilot's name is this. Go get his family. That motherfucker couldn't fly.
0: <laughs> Man, and you know, I was watching something on the news, and I we might have touched on this last week or maybe before vacation, but I saw. I, I think it's still. It might still be like Heathrow um, in London. They had they had nobody uh, collecting the bags, so all the baggage was just piled up in the airport is that just did you get a sense traveling because my nephews just got back from wisconsin and they got stuck in las vegas because of like canceled flights and they had to stay in a hotel and they didn't even know if they're going to find a hotel and then they were stuck on the runway like what do you think is attributing to this
1: i think that there are a couple of things one is um i mean you know we can admit that the airline process not just industry but the process is really jacked up globally right now it's just it's jacked up you know from the all the the you know you got to do all these take off your clothes and all this kind of stuff but the flights are overbooked like our flight our connecting flight from Minneapolis to Sacramento for example was overbooked they they purposely sold too many tickets so our, our seats were apart and I was talking to the gate agent to start to get our seats together and she goes well, I'm not sure we could do it because we have too many people on this flight and we're gonna start asking people to take two, three, four hundred dollars not to fly. And I just thought, what? Right, that's a mess. So there's that. And then there is, you know, COVID, right? The global impact of COVID and how pilots, at least in the US, pilots who tend to be you know older white male and they tend to be Republicans and they tend to be anti vax they didn't want to wear masks. And so um and news reports are saying that they were also pressuring, I don't know, pressure is the right word. Flight attendants and their staff not to wear masks, and so in my flights there and coming back, most were not wearing masks. So there's a ton, like there's so many pilots out right now because they got COVID, and flight attendants got COVID. So so many flights have been canceled. I was looking at the the flight board in Minneapolis, and there were I don't know about fifty flights that were listed on that board. About fifth, no, seventeen were canceled. And I just what. That's a lot of flights that were and like you were saying for your nephews. People are just going to be stranded somewhere. Like that's a nightmare.
0: I I, I go to San Diego. You know, I talked about it last week for our our girlfriend, our mutual. Um, Girl Crush Margaret for her birthday, she's doing a celebration. We're gonna be down in San Diego, and we we convinced each other that flying down there was going to be the more the most economical, right? By the time we put gas in the car and the wear and tear and just time, it was like 174 bucks round trip. I am it's next Sunday we leave, and I just keep thinking the good news is I have not gotten anything that says. Oh, your flight has changed times, or this has happened. So I've heard in the past that if there's going to be something set set up for failure, you're going to start getting notifications about flights changing a couple of weeks before that.
1: Oh, God, that's that's a nightmare, that you have to factor that into your upcoming plans, right?
0: For a vacation that you're supposed to have stress-free, right? When you go on vacation, you're not supposed to be stressed.
1: Oh gosh. And so where are you guys going to stay in San Diego?
0: She found a house at, on mission or close to mission beach. I think we're like two Mm. minutes from the beach. So Mm. we're going to do a lot of stuff outdoors. You know, Margaret and I both enjoy working out. So we're going to do a lot of that. Um, We'll, you know, make our own foods. It's going to be really nice because I've never been to San Diego. I'm living in, in California for now 20 six years i've never been to san diego so oh, wow. it, yeah it's going to be like a new experience like going to a new place for me i think
1: Yeah san diego is um has some really pretty areas not just the beaches but um their downtown is really it's a really walkable bar hopping restaurant kind of downtown you know and of course they have that famous san diego zoo i'm not really a zoo person but i have been to that zoo and it's it's very um It's very California-ish, like very animal-positive. If you could have an animal-positive zoo, like they would have one. But those beaches all up and down that coast are glorious too. And there's some beautiful um, hotel area beaches where where there's giant hotels and then those walkable beaches where they have all the great, um, it's sort of touristy, but also just wonderful like ice creams and snow cones and that kind of beach stuff. It's really cool.
0: I'm excited about that. It'll be a nice getaway. It's been, been <clears throat> just a week away to, you know, spend some time with my girlfriend. And of course, Margaret's husband will be there. And I think her sister-in-law and then her best friend of like, I don't know, 30 something years will be coming at the later half of the trip. So oh,
1: oh, that's what it I'll, is.
0: I'll get to have a little peg slash Marg time before that. Oh, oh. Um, so now I want to tell the audience that You went, well, first of all, there's two things I really want to talk to you about that. I'm still wrapping my mind around and it is the galaxy, the J W S tell sir, I am. So yesterday, I think I was reading somewhere and I I went back and forth with you. My little voice memo to you was, listen, we are seeing the nebula how it looked 7,500 years ago. Like, just let's both close our eyes and think about that for a second. I'm seeing something for the first time that is 7,500 years old.
1: Yes, yes, telescopes. Those those telescopes the James Webb telescope or any telescope, really. Um, but that's the most powerful one ever. We're literally time traveling. We're literally looking in the past. Like, that's bonkers up.
0: And then on top of it, that black picture with all little speckles in it, um, that each of those speckles is a galaxy with billions of planets.
1: Yes. Each, Each little spark of light. It is unbelievable. Each one is a full on galaxy. Like we're in a galaxy, like the Milky Way is a galaxy. And that tiny little speck of light contains. I don't know if they said. Me, it, no they did they said that tiny little speck of light contains millions of galaxies in which each of, inside each of those galaxies are billions of stars and planets like that's it, it's that, too
0: much. It's, it, and you know to put it in a perspective to think literally and this is more so layman's terms for me to understand that in order for me to know what that galaxy looks like now today <laughs> i have to wait another seventy five hundred years
1: Yes. Yes.
0: (laughs) What the fuck, man? That is just unbelievable. Like, we're seeing the sun eight minutes later of what the sun looks like. I I just...
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was telling Eliana yesterday that if the sun were to blow up, like, in this instant, we don't know for eight minutes.
0: Oh, God.
1: It's funny because you get so used to seeing these sci-fi movies and stuff like that, where, you know, these superhero movies... Where people, you know, at least they fly to the sun or they take a spaceship to the sun as if it's just right there in the sky. Like it's not right there. It's just so big. It looks big in the sky, but it's like millions of miles away. <laughs>
0: Butterflies in the sky. That's the song that I think about when I when you said that. Um I mean, can you, and you think about all the bullshit that we talk about on a daily basis. Oh, I need this purse, I should live in this house. Bitch, you are so, you're a grain of sand in the grand scheme of life. Like in the grand scheme of the universe, you're a speck, not even.
1: I know, because did you see that, that that one scientist who said, okay, so, so the James Webb telescope um, is, um, it was built over the past 14 years and then where it differs, where it's better than every other telescope, including Hubble, which is a fantastic telescope, telescope, but the James Webb Telescope is a million miles from Earth. Like we sent that thing out into space, you know, put it in a in a in an in exact position they needed it to, and then unfurled its 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 mirrors and its its equipment over a period of weeks, right? So it's just that alone was amazing, amazing science and engineering to get that thing in space. So you get it out of this atmosphere and all this stuff and you can get a clear view, a clearer view of the universe and you have the most powerful telescope ever doing the viewing. So it, they just NASA just released the first five photographs and one of the photographs is just the one you just referenced there was a bunch of what looks like a bunch of stars in the night. And what they have explained is all those stars are at all those points of light are actually individual galaxies that are massive. But, um, and then within those galaxies are thousands of billions of uh, suns or stars and planets. And so, and the sci- one, a couple of scientists have said if you picked up one grain of sand, right, you pick up one grain of sand you hold that grain of sand against the night sky yourself. So you just hold that grain of sand. And that is the equivalent of that one picture that they um, have shared. So we see in one, the size of one grain of sand against the night sky, we can see billions of galaxies and trillions of stars and planets and things like that. And that's just one grain of sand in the night sky. So it just the size and scale of the universe is really too big for our little tiny brains to comprehend.
0: I, I, I And yeah. the beauty of it, right? So I think I saw the difference of what the Hubble picture took of the nebula and then what the JWST, uh, took of the nebula and the color and the, because I I know light and and I'm not a geek, I'm not a science person. I think I'm more, I'm more intrigued because I still, it's just so massive to wrap your brain around it. The idea of how lights measured from like reds and blues and why they can capture what they did capture. It's just, I mean, science geeks are just fucking freaking out right now. They are just going balls to the wall.
1: They're freaking out because um yeah because you get to see like there's a picture of a nebula that um it's stars two two stars that are 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 exploding and they're releasing all these gases and everything and then you could you could blow up the picture even of the um of the one of the um they have one called the, the quintet where these five galaxies seemingly together but they look together because we're so far away but really they're trillions of miles apart, but they're, they're just there together. You can that that telescope can can focus in on specific parts of those galaxies and see so much more. Like it's like a never-ending um uh view of space that just the closer you look at it, the more complex and the more f- filled in it gets. And it just it boggles the mind because I was telling you this week how how if. For us to get to that one nebula that's 7,500 light years away, like if we could travel at the speed of light, we could get there in 7,500 years. Like that's the fastest that we could get there. Wow. But we can't travel at the speed of light. Our fastest space probe or something is going, I don't know, a few hundred thousand miles an hour or something like that. And if we could, if that were a spaceship, which it isn't, we don't have that technology, but if it was, it would still take us something like one hundred eighty-six thousand miles to get there.
0: Oh my god! Well, I mean, we're seeing shit that <laughs> was—we're seeing shit in those galaxies that are thirteen to fourteen billion years old.
1: Right. That that one picture. I mean, because universe is only—I should say—only like it's thirteen point six billion or fourteen point six billion, whatever that number is. And that that one photo goes back, you know, thirteen billion years. And they <laughs> said they, they could go back even further. So they're saying. they are able to see some of the first galaxies and stars that were formed following um, the Big Bang. And that is bonkers. (laughs) Like that's bonkers. And because it's really hard to grasp because light, even though we're saying light years, we're looking at light as it exists. It just took that light this long to, to get to us, but light doesn't age, right? It just doesn't age. It's just we're so far away from it and the thing is those things we're looking at they're moving away from us Uh. so they're moving away from us which is significant because it means and this is what scientists have said that the universe is still expanding like from that original big Bang, Uh. it's still going outwards it's just all all of it is bonkers but it's really fun and pretty accessible science because you can see something they're not just telling you you know theories and numbers and things like that they're saying look look at this picture this is the actual universe we're looking at that's that's fantastic
0: I mean there's going to be people that come out and say the the earth is still flat though let's just, <laughs>
1: <laughs> just in denial the earth is still flat and Elvis is alive and JFK is coming back and you know COVID doesn't exist I saw
0: somebody, I saw somebody post a countertop and they're like nice try Nassau because it was the same sort of countertop <laughs> It was the same countertop as that dark picture with the speckles, and they oh zoomed God. in on their countertop, and they're like, oh, nice try, NASA. Oh, my God.
1: That's <laughs> That's funny. I, you know, I just, I'm like a lot of people, like, geeked out about it, that there'll be so many more uh, photographs that they're going to be releasing over the next, you know, months and years, and it's all going to be fantastic. Because even that one photograph, it proves one of the uh, Einstein theories about what's called gravitational lensing. And that is that as light as light is moving, if, it, if, if the light approaches a very large body, like a planet, a sun, a star, um, a black hole, then the, the gravity of those large bodies will bend light. So the light will go, it will, the light will continue around it, but you will see it dip because the gravity will pull the light in. And it'll curve it, it'll curve around that large body. And when you look at that large, when you look at that one photograph, though, all the pinpoint uh, lights, that first photograph that was released, you'll see that some of the stars look like they're curved. That's the gravitational lens. That light has curved around a giant body and is still coming towards us. And that was predicted by Einstein way back in the day. Like, yeah. and they proved it in that one photo. I mean, they've, they've known it all along, but that photo. Just shows you in photographic evidence, not just math, but you see a photo of it. Here's gravitational, Lindsay, right in front of your face. Ah, it's, a, it's
0: Incredible, a- incredible! I know. It, I, I, we could probably talk about just putting it into perspective all day long, but uh, that was it, what was what I was thinking about uh, in, in general. Was you know us having that conversation, and then you this week uh, being on you were on a live broadcast this past week
1: I a, was. a political one i was i got invited on uh, this um uh southern california radio host named uh, ariva martin that's a r e v a ariva martin and she has a radio show um and she has uh, she does a facebook live show as well and her show is political and she has guests on and things and so i had written a blog um and I don't think she followed me on Twitter or a medium or anywhere where my blogs are posted, but, but I had a blog that blew up um, a, a few weeks ago, some of them, a, a few of them blow up, but that one blew up and it was called Republicans, ain't your little friends. Um, <laughs> and so she saw that. And then I had another one that was called uh, democracy um, is not a microwave oven or something like that, you know? And, and it was about how some people vote once or twice and expect everything to be perfect you know all of a sudden the world and the country is perfect because they voted once or twice and so she saw those blog posts and she invited me to a radio show and I was on um, with a guy named Bob Shrum who's a um, political advisor or he was a political advisor to different presidents a speech writer and now he's like a fellow at USC or something so we did we talked politics and you know I'm just a you know just a regular guy I just write about stuff because you know it interests me and we were, we had a good conversation, so that conversation went well. And then she invited me to her Facebook live, and there were a couple other experts. And she actually listed me as um, what well, she said, author and writer, like I like to have. But she also says uh, political expert.
0: <laughs> I mean, you're the go-to for me, so definitely a, an expert in my eyes.
1: You know what? I think I just have lived, and I, I was telling I was telling Ellian how when I was little, we used to get the newspaper. You know, so starting at age, I don't know, probably like seven, six or seven, I started reading a newspaper every every section. In those days, there were sections, you know, the front page section, there was politics, there was lifestyle, there was sports, you know, and then even like one ads and comics. So I used to read every every one from the famous Oakland Tribune back in the day. So, you know what? I got interested in politics, just interested in it. So I don't know if I'm an expert, but you know, I haven't lived in America all these years and voted every time since I turned 18 and following things. And, you know, what, I'm 58. I, I think I, I have just as right um, to an opinion and I have just as valid opinions that all those clowns and uh, network TV and cable news.
0: Agreed. And I'll tell you, for for just the visual effect, the panel was the, the mediator um, and you say her name. At- the name skipped my mind again. What's her name? Martin. Yep. Um, and then you, uh, both African-American and two white folks, yeah. um, a, a white female and a white male. Yeah. Uh, both doctors. I, I think of political science.
1: Yeah. Yeah. One uh, PhD. One's a doctor. Yeah. They were like, yeah. You know,
0: and the interesting conversation is that she was asking questions to the panel and, you know, the, the question came to you and, what I loved about. And so I, when you're live, you get to see people's facial expressions and you brought up uh, race and uh, I can't particular, I can't pinpoint the actual response, the question. Cause I was, I was so engaged in watching just the dynamic and facial expressions possibly change during your, your statement. And, and she came back and said, okay, let, let's myron went right there, right to the race. And <clears throat> The visual of both of their the the both of the white folks on the panel almost stunned it, the, the look of fuck how do we respond to that?
1: <laughs> you know what that, that that part was it was um it's a it's a it's a topic going around right now. Say, actually it's an old topic, and that is um what do the De- do the democrats have the right messaging to yes,
0: get yes, 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 uh,
1: yes. voters? to the poll and then to the polls. And then, and also the the other part of that is is the constant criticism. Democrats don't know how to message to get people to the polls. Like it's that message right there. And so Ariva asked that question and the two social scientists, you know, one said, I think that the guy said, oh, they got to do better. And, you know, uh, across social media, and tailor the message to get young people. And then I think the lady said, you know, you got to pull from different, orders of the of the party and use you know stronger message you know they're all, they're all you know pretty bland but okay answers but i said look look here and this is true look <laughs> black people don't have any problem going to vote for democrats it's not the messaging right it's not the message because we see and hear the same things everybody else here black people as a majority vote for democrats latino people as a majority vote for democrats Asian people as a majority vote for Democrats. The only demographic in America who do not vote as a majority for Democrats are white men and white women. And so when they're talking about messaging, what they're really saying is, how can they tell me specifically as a white person, I want to hear something that's just for me so I am convinced that I should go vote for Democrats? Because nobody else has that issue. Like nobody else. And it's really some coddling, and there's really some, you know, some centering um, whiteness that, you know, we we have to be babied and convinced to do the right thing and to vote to help other people and for harm reduction. And literally, in America, since the 50s, no other voting demographic has that issue. And you know what? It's just like I like to say when you and I are talking, you just have to call a thing a thing. That in America, sometimes we're too, we're too guarded in our words and we don't want to say black, white, Asian, Latino, Native, Indigenous, because we don't want to offend people. But when you look at the you look at voting, right? Voting in America is very clear that ever since the Voting Rights Act was passed in the 60s, through all those marches, black people got God, God. We had the right to vote, but the right to vote wasn't enforced. But when all that stuff passed in the 60s, uh, and and much of it with Lyndon Lyndon Johnson after Kennedy was killed, that ever since that moment, white people have not voted in as a majority for Democrats, ever since that moment. It's called the Southern strategy that um, the the, the Republican operatives said, we're going to convince white people, we're going to convince them that black people are the enemy and that as long as you don't vote with them, no matter how bad you are, you're gonna be better for them, the Southern strategy. And ever since then, white people, as the majority, men and women have voted for Republican. So even if, like you have, say say you have someone, Jennifer, like, like your age, your sister's age, your brother's age, or white people in their 20s or 30s, even if they don't know the history Uh, with the Southern strategy, the 50s or 60s, because we know American schools don't teach that kind of stuff. And generally people don't try to go learn that kind of stuff. But even if they don't know that, they are a product of that strategy because they are still voting uh, majority for Republicans. And they're the only demographic that does that. So you can look at that a couple of ways. Is that the only demographic that's right? And everybody else, literally everybody else is wrong? I mean, I guess that's a possibility. But when you think about it, you go, wait a minute. Why, why is it only that one demographic that does that? What is that? And you know what? I'm not a social, social scientist. Like, I'm not. But I said on the Reva Martin show that they are also the only demographic who, do not, who will not vote as a majority for harm reduction for somebody else. Meaning, I will vote, I, I'm, a, I'm a black male heterosexual right? But I will vote for something that protects LGTBQI plus rights. I will vote to protect um, children. I will vote to protect women's right uh, for um, to manage their healthcare bodily autonomy and their right to have an abortion. I will vote to protect them because I think it's the right thing to do. Like if, if it's not me, it doesn't matter. I want something good for someone else, even if it costs me more from a taxpayer perspective. That's called harm reduction, right? But the only demographic in America that doesn't vote that way as a majority are white people. Are They're the only ones, people. and we at some point we have to ask ourselves why is that the case?
0: Well, I think we know that wh- why that's the case. We do. It goes back to many conversations that you and I had in regards to just the um, uh, oh god, why is that going to why is that escaping my mind again? Um,
1: the white supremacy.
0: Yes, but it, it's the whole um, theory, the- the
1: uh, Oh, the replacement thing. Yes, thank you, thank yes, you, thank you, the replacement yes, thing. It goes yes. to
0: play in all that. We know why those that are woke, as we say, um, understand why that's the case, is yeah. to keep a superiority, which is just unbelievable in the grand scheme of things. So when you bring that up on a panel that is two white people, their response they took a minute to respond that's why the 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 mediator had to like interject and said myron went there how do you guys feel is she allowed them some time to process what you stated so that they could come back with a response but oh. I, I was i was impressed by i mean i'm always there's a, probably 98% of the time i'm in, i'm impressed uh, with how you, uh, show up at things and, and how your insights and, and your intelligence, all that, that I was really impressed by the messaging that you delivered without it being, um, uh, I don't want to say assertive. I don't want it to be without, without any sort of anger behind it, or Mm -hmm. it was just factual. And how they responded was, "Eh, it was okay. But I really wasn't honed in on how they responded. I was honed in on how you articulated because of your strength in your words and how powerful you are in using your words that it just, they couldn't really respond to that.
1: I was impressed. Yeah, they they sort of quickly pivoted from it. And I I think that's a very American thing, right, to not... um, not to, not to go too deep into race or, I mean, generally it used to be, you know, you don't talk about politics or religion and, you know, mixed company, like that whole saying, and that, that type of politeness, you know, it's, it's fake, right? It's fake. And I also think that like on that call, that reasonable people can talk politics and race without it being, you know, a yelling match or accusations or, Personalized, like I I, I didn't say to those two other hosts you guys are supporting white supremacy like that that wasn't (laughs) a conversation right but it is okay to just say as grown-ups you know what here's some here's some facts about voting and we it's something we should deal with and not make it acrimonious like it doesn't have to be that way because I was I was telling another friend of mine you know what I was in a bank once and they were trying to, um, I was trying to deposit a check or something, something really odd. And it was a, it was a rather large check. It was kind of a settlement or something. And they were giving me the business. Right. And I was like, right. And they didn't want to take it. They, they just like, this doesn't look right. And they are calling people over and everything. And they didn't believe that, you know, I could be depositing that kind of check. And, um, and then I was like, well, I have these other accounts. I'm just, I'm just trying to move some things around. And they wanted me to prove it. They wanted me to come to their computer, log on to some other accounts, and show them that I, that, you know, I had some retirement money somewhere. And I was like, That's a, this is a really long process. And, and sometimes you, know, you get these kind of um, very racially targeted responses, right? It was very clear what was happening. And sometimes you can walk away And then, but sometimes, you know, like, because it wasn't physically threatening me, I thought, I want to see how this plays out. Like, I get curious, you know, how is this going to play out? So I went through all the steps, right, that this bank was taking me through, these bank managers and, you know, pulling you to the side, logging into accounts at their computer, all this kind of stuff, and then proving stuff to them. And like two different bank, bank managers and all these people standing around this computer, you know, you're, just like, you're like a spectacle in this bank. Like what's happening? This kind of deal, right? And then once it's all proven, then this is like 30 minutes, you know, everybody's sort of quiet, like you know, all the white people are like him and hawing. Oh, okay, well, yeah, okay. Okay, well, because, you know, again, I'm just in jeans and a Raiders sweatshirt, right? Just a black guy. I'm just a regular black guy in the jeans and Raiders sweatshirt. And you know me, I'm always calm. I don't get excited or anything. And I'm just going through the process because I really want to try to see what happens because the other thing is I write stories. So I don't mind gathering information about how things happen because you never know you're going to use it in a story. And so we get through the whole thing, right? I proved these retirement accounts were mine that they had funds in them and all this stuff I proved. And then the bank was like, okay, we will accept this check from you. And so then this, this older white guy comes over and says, like, what's happening? He's just sort of looked like a biker kind of guy. And I explained to him, he was probably about my age, in his 50s or something. And the old white guy's like, that was bullshit what they just did to you. And I go, yeah, it is. And so we sort of talk it out right there. And then the bank, he, he tells the bank, y'all need to apologize to this man, you know, this kind of stuff. And the bank, you know, you know they had their stance and we get through it. So the end of this story was me and the old biker guy ended up having a conversation. And so me and old biker guy, old white guy, you know, we talked it out and everything. And we talked about race in America and all this kind of stuff. And then he said something really interesting. And I agree with him. He said, you know what? He said, when I was younger, I probably would have been on the side of those bankers. He goes, but I've, I've lived and I've been through some things. And now I know that there's a lot of bullshit that's put in front of Black people. And he said, I don't know why you didn't. I was watching the whole time. I don't know why you didn't get mad. And I go, because I can't, because I can't end up in jail. And he goes, yeah, that, that's a good point. And I go, but you know what? I appreciate you saying that because sometimes as older guys, we've been through these battles, right? And I'm looking at these bankers all in their 30s or something, and they just don't know, right? They choose not. They could know, but they choose not to know. And so, I mean, this old guy, we just sort of laughed about it and everything. And I just stored it up a story, you know, that's just in my mind. And it goes nowhere. Like nothing happens, nothing changes in that bank. Nothing I eventually left the bank like within like a few months. And I knew once they were taking me through that I would leave the bank, but I wanted to just see it all play out. But it's those kind of things, Jen, that, that we experience in America that you could be mad all the time. And, and that's a famous quote from I think Langston Hughes that to be aware, to be black and aware in America of everything, you could be angry every single day, all day. And that, that's not an exact quote, but it's something like that. And you know what? but you can't live like that. Like, you know, these things happen, you get through them. And so even like on Arena Martin's call, when I shared those facts with, with her, with their panel, they hear it. And, but like you said, they didn't really say much to it. They pivot to something else because it's just easier to move away instead of deal with what we're actually talking about. So all the way back to dim messaging, nobody has a problem with dim messaging except one demographic. So that's not really an issue. So, you know, it, it, I guess we learn as we learn as we grow that these situations come up and maybe we can there's a way to talk about them without them being incendiary and ready, without us fighting and shooting and killing each other but I just don't know if everybody's ready to have those very basic direct uh, conversations.
0: No, I mean, clearly, especially, you know, we lost, I lost some friends, you know, during the, when Trump was around, because you, if things did get heated and, you know, it's always the Trumpsters that wanted to have a, a decent conversation, but they just didn't, they, they wanted to remain calm, but they didn't want to be open to hear anything. And that's probably the reason why I would get heated. I'm like, you want to have a really decent conversation, but you're not even up to, letting me finish a response, or you're not able to provide me any data. And that's what gets people that's what gets me fired up. Because, you know, let let me tell, let me, let me, this is a funny story in regards to, in regards to you. And when we were working at Verizon, and I had just, I probably was there not many months, but my family was getting, my family was getting on my Verizon plan. And I had to I had to do all the um, ordering of their phones and then, you know, I ordered their phones and then I, I uh, had to take them, you know, they all got delivered to work at the call center that we were working at and I had to carry them all to my car. And I was just like, this is a lot to carry. So I asked, I asked Myron, I asked him to help me to take these phones down to my, down to my car. And so, so we're walking and we're just in the parking lot. And I went to open my trunk, but I didn't use the key. I just went to open it, and my alarm went off. And I have never seen an individual my pop my trunk open. And Myron <laughs> threw the phones in the car and started running. I was like, "Wait a minute, where are you going?" He's like, "You think?" <laughs>
1: oh my god! You
0: you said you think I'm going to be a black man walking next to a white woman with phones in boxes? Hell I no.
1: I was out. I was in the live preservation mode right there. I was out.
0: <laughs> they say that things don't move that at the speed of light. My friend, they have not met oh. you. <laughs>
1: <I was laughs> and you know, although it's,
0: although, although it's funny oh because- God. The, the how you threw it, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen you exercise in my life. So to, to watch how fast you reacted, but it got, it got, it got me thinking and I started having more and more conversations with other folks in the call center, just about experiences outside of that. Although in the moment, it was funny how you took off.
1: Right, right.
0: I, it was a natural reaction for you.
1: You know what? Was, you didn't
0: do it to be funny.
1: No, I took off. I'm like, I'm, I will not be here with this alarm going off. Like you said, is right, lady. These phones going into a trunk. I'm like, nope, <laughs> not me.
0: <laughs> you were in your suit and everything, but I think those types of those types of conversations, that those types of events, at, triggered me to ask more questions uh, to make myself more aware, just exactly. to dig in and, and and try to understand the dynamic. Because you know, I grew up in a family that we didn't. There wasn't. Um, I don't. There was no negative talk about any race about anybody it was just we just exist and that's how we maneuver through life you just exist you appreciate and value individuals that's how my parents raised me so um it and it helped me it it that wasn't a pivotal moment for me but it was definitely a highlighted moment that after we laughed about it just because of the reaction mm-hmm. uh it, it it triggered something in me to to educate myself even further so um you know uh, yeah funny, funny but not funny i guess yeah
1: that's a, yeah that's a good story um you know it's funny about that that even to this day when i go to a department store or something you know i buy something uh, you know you, you pay and everything i say to them uh, before i walk away when I walk out of the store, would the alarm go off? I, I say that to everyone. Wow. Every, and they always say no. I said, because if it does, I'm running. Like, you <laughs> just just know I'm not going to stand still and get shot. I'm getting the hell out of there. You know, and they always lie, but I'm always serious. Do you know, they have those little tags on this and stuff? Make sure you take the tag off my style. I do not want an alarm going up when I walk out this door. Because, man, wow. those alarms go off. And those, man, look, it's a mess. So, hey, Jen. So, anyway, I finished the boys season three
0: the boys oh my god
1: whoa <laughs> whoa that was that was intense
0: Intense, because um it it mind blown the the director the writers they they are keeping the natural cadence of that show and the integrity of that show every fucking season I'm telling you
1: right I mean, so
0: good so good and I,
1: I i didn't know where they would go with season three because season two is so very definitive with stormfront and all that kind of yeah. stuff and then this one even the first few you know it was still the boys very violent and graphic and those last few episodes they went to another level another
0: level i mean i i can't it got it it definitely gets me excited because I, I Amazon did renew for another season. So I think they did it two episodes the last. So in season, in episode six, they announced that they're going to do a season four. So that got me excited.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, I'm not going to do any spoilers because it, the, the finale has only been out for like a week. and Maybe we can talk more detail next week, but um, the generational stuff, the... Um, the Soldier Boy stuff and Homelander—that was all, all really good. But so was that deep. I mean, that deep guy. That's that's some funny stuff going on. <laughs>
0: right,
1: right, he could right. talk to the fish. Yeah, that's some funny <laughs> stuff. And then even A Train, how they—you know—how they, you know, they rained him back in. And there's some. <laughs> oh my god! Just how enough. they
0: gave, how they ended up saving his life with that guy. <laughs> oh my god! Right,
1: right. When
0: he—I mean, okay, not a spoiler, but how he. Ended oh, that guy's life. God. I cringed.
1: Oh my god! <laughs> oh. Like what? You know what? So, I, so I, I watched those last three episodes last night. So I binged them last night. And Elliot was here. And now, 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 mind you, she will watch marathons of Snapped and Dayline. Right? And, and they're all, just, <laughs> all just, they're just, all just murder. It's right? all just murder, right? <laughs> How do we solve this murder? Contest, contest, and they will, they will, they will show, you know, dead bodies. In the house, you know, real life
0: stuff. Real life. This is real real life.
1: Right. I'm watching the boys last night. She goes, "Oh my god, this is too violent. I I can't take this." I'm like, "This is made up. You you go to sleep to Dateline? Like what?
0: (laughs) The next 48 is real life stories.
1: (laughs) There's a body in the street. Blood pooling from the ear. Like, how is this cartoon stuff? You know? And, and so it extended. Like she woke up this morning. She said. I had nightmares last night. <laughs> oh, my
0: God. Sir, did you start the Umbrella Academy?
1: Um, I started it and finished it.
0: Oh, you finished it?
1: Yes. yes. Not season, disappointed, right? Season three, right?
0: Season three.
1: Yes. Yes. I, and you know what? That is a great show. Ugh. That is a great show. It is so well written. Those characters are so good because sort of like the boys where they're they're heroes but they are messed up messed up right
0: messed now. up daddy issues
1: <laughs> <clears throat> i mean major daddy issues in there again i don't want to spoil that but there are some big revelations in season three with with the with the academy and i don't know i mean yeah they got to get to season four and resolve some other stuff like it's a mess
0: so, well, and they better do, I think they, I think they did for another season as well on that. Yes. Like, what What's really great is that these shows that just finished won't have as long as a time coming back because, you know, the COVID stuff.
1: Uh, oh, that's right. It's yeah. so cool. I've sort of gotten used to it taking a year or two, but it's not really, it shouldn't really take that long. That was like those COVID delays. Huh? Yep. Uh, yeah. I
0: finished. Uh, okay. So I, I was talking to a mutual friend that we have, Danny, and, you know, she's like, oh, you should put a Google doc together with all your shows. And I was like, I don't even know what you're saying, but yeah, I, I, I think I'm going to start keeping track of every, um, every, uh, news, like every channel. So Hulu, Amazon prime and HBO showtime paramount plus all the shows that I've watched on each of those networks and just keep like, you know, topsies. I I'm usually pretty good. I, There's a, most of the time I enjoy most TV. There's always something associated with it. Otherwise, you know, why would, why waste the time? So I usually stick something out and I watched that Amazon prime show with Chris Pratt called Terminalist. Oh yeah. Okay. Let me tell you something. I don't know what the fuck people are doing. Excuse my French mom, uh, but I don't know what the fuck people are doing with filming shit in the goddamn dark. So (laughs) with the last episode of fucking, oh my God, with Game of Thrones and that big fight scene that was done in pure darkness, awful. So this show with Chris Pratt, I had to turn off my lights, close my blinds, watch it in the dark just to see some of it. And you know what? They could have finished that in just a movie. I, I, it's on my list of don't waste your time.
1: Yeah. I, that's the one he was on like some Island and they were experimenting on people or something like that. Or something yeah. Like. He
0: was a Navy steel and they tried to kill all his people because they gave him some poison that caused all brain tumors. So they wanted them all dead. And so he survived and then he found out that this was the case. And then he had a list of people he uh, wanted to kill for his family. Uh,
1: well, I haven't seen that one yet. Okay. Okay. So don't that's waste the, your time. Ah, uh, got it. Okay. That's how, um, yeah, you're right. Game of Thrones, that last, there was just nighttime. It just, like, you couldn't see anything. It was just nothing.
0: nothing. And mm-hmm. you know what? I don't need your artsy-fartsy bullshit. I'll, I'll watch okay. an indie film for that. If you're doing a major production show that millions of people are watching, we want to fucking see it.
1: We want to see it. Yeah, I was, watching see it. A, I was watching a movie. I think it was, uh, I want to say it was, oh, there were some scenes in Obi-Wan, I think, that was on uh, Disney Plus, the Obi-Wan series. Where it was the same, it was at night or in a cave or something. You're like, well, I guess I'm just not watching what's happening in this scene. Like, I don't know what's happening. Like,
0: that's exactly. And that's like um, the Apple TV show called C with Jason Momoa and. Yes. I, I, I had to stop watching it because I was like, my eyes hurt from trying to follow the storyline because it's all done medieval times, so they try to make it dark. Listen, I can I understand the concept it's medieval times. It does not have to be dark. So yeah, It's
1: in light. Like, we want to see what you're showing us. I
0: want to see what the fuck you're, what I'm supposed to be watching. So, yeah, I, I was a little frustrated because I spent some time doing that because I was waiting for a couple episodes of Big Brother to start, season
1: 24.
0: Mm-hmm. But ow that started on the 6th.
1: Okay. Is it, is it a, is it a special one? Like celebrities, people? Nope.
0: It's
1: a brand new crew. Brand new crew. Okay. I'm, so I'm, I'm excited
0: I, about that. So
1: I, I just finished um, watching Miss Marvel on Disney plus. And I got to tell you that might be my favorite series. of All those Marvel series. Mrs. Marvel. Yep. It's so good. It's
0: I don't so have good. Disney plus. I think, I think that's the one streaming service I don't have.
1: Yeah. I mean, It's all the Disney stuff and it's all the um, uh, Marvel stuff, the Star Wars stuff. I mean, there's a lot there, but it's probably not for everybody, but they do have a lot of good stuff there, content. But this was Marvel series. It's only six episodes. She's a teenager. She's a Muslim teenager in New Jersey. She gets these powers. And I don't want to spoil everything, but her journey is really about, she's a teenager. So she's only like 16 or 17. And she's trying to figure out, You know, her mother, her father, her grandparents, and their, you know, her her religious obligations, her high school friendships is very, it's in a way similar to Peter Parker being in high school as Spider-Man trying to figure some stuff out. But also you have, you know, she's a girl, she's Muslim, she's in New Jersey, and you follow her hero's journey. And it's not special if not a whole lot of special effects. There's, I mean, there are obviously some. She's she turned into a hero. But her relationship with her mother, her father, her older brother and her and her two good friends are really, it's really special. Like it's really, really well done. It's really well done. And then you even get some of the history of India and Pakistan and how Great Britain just, you know, just really messed up. And that part of the continent and you know divided those countries and you get some of that history so it's really good there's some real tearjerker moments because she has these really good intimate moments with her parents and you and you you see everything how she got her 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 costume her name and her name and her name as a is, is is it's not common like we say Kamala Harris is Kamala, but it's the same letter, same spelling. And then her father even explains where her name comes from, what it means. And it's just, it's really all cool how it all comes together. And there's some tearjerker moments. And then we know that she is now, she is in the next um, Captain Marvel movie. Because in the comic books, there's like Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel, and, and Monica Rambo. these other, it's like a group of women and they They do their own thing together, like a mini little Avengers group. And we know she shows up in that. So this just set the stage for that. And it is really, really good. It's really good.
0: Wow. You know, uh, a girlfriend of mine, who's also my hairdresser, she... Thought it was really good as well. So you're this. I think you might be the third person that says. So if I can steal someone's, I mean, actually uh, just for the sake of purposes of being on recording, if I could borrow um, Borrow. some streamer, I will definitely do that. So
1: uh, I'll give you money.
0: Okay. I'll definitely watch it. If it's only six episodes, I'm looking for something in between some of these series because, you know, I watched, I watched the shy, which I really love. And I'll tell you, there's a show on Paramount plus called evil. Um, and the concept of evil is really great. So there is, uh, it's, it's the church trying to determine if, if there is, um, demonic issues with situations or people. So they have a priest, then they have a psychologist, and then they have a scientist and they go to these cases to break down what level they are. So if, if it's either really, um, a religious thing you know you're being uh, you're being possessed or if it's a psychological thing and the person's just jacked up in the head or if something's happening scientifically that can explain the situation it is
1: <coughs> so good you know what i think i may have seen a couple of episodes of that is it um um uh, mike cofer the black guy yes page?
0: yep yes,
1: and he's, yes. The, he's like the the priest guy right he's the priest you know what? I, I enjoy, it. I forgot about it. I think it's on Hulu. I think
0: uh, it's on Paramount plus. So you'll see it on Amazon plus. prime and yes. then it moves you over to Paramount plus.
1: Okay. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to pick that back up because I enjoyed those. I think what happened was I saw a couple of episodes and thought, Oh, I want to see, I want to see the rest of this and wait till there's some more episodes there. And I just forgot about it. So, okay. That's, that's a good reminder. Um, hey, Jen, so we're almost out of time, but what are you, what are you eating this week?
0: Um, You know, I have been trying to incorporate some things uh, just into from a, from a, I I don't know, I don't want to say healthy version, a wellness. So I've been incorporating some like spirulina and chia seeds and um, ashwagandha root. I've been incorporating that into some of like and some spa waters just to get a little more nutrients, help with inflammation. So I've been learning about that this week outside of just my standard, um, my soy uh, tofu wraps, my which I, oh my God, my vegan cheese with this like Moroccan tofu in one of these tortillas. Oh my God, it's so good. And sometimes I put avocado on top. I'm telling you, amazing. I'll have to tell you a story next week about the vegan world and dating. And, uh, I'll keep people on the edge of their seat with that one.
1: This is uh, a topic I really want to hear about because, um, I know vegans don't eat meat and uh, you know what, forget, it. I'm not even going to go there, but
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I was having this conversation with my mom. I'll do it really quick. I was having this conversation with my mom because the gentleman mm-hmm. reached out and wanted to, you know, go on a date. And I just said, my sister says well don't you think you're picky and i said listen i don't i don't have to date somebody that's not vegan because it's my it's my value it's my it's part of my value system i choose not to eat meat or animal products but here's one thing you cannot say you cannot say this you cannot say i love animals i love all animals because if you did then you wouldn't eat them so you can say to me I love dogs and cats. Mm -hmm. Like I love dogs. I will always have a dog. I love dogs. Because if I said, would you eat a dog? And they say, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. But if I say, if you love animals, and then I say, well, why do you eat meat? And then your response is this, well, they're killed quickly. Yeah, that's me with silence. Because you can't say that you you, so you you have to make you have to draw a line in the sand to say that you love a dog and a cat because that's domesticated. You can't say you love animals and still eat them, because that's not in alignment with one another. You can't, you, you can't say that it's okay to kill something that doesn't want to be killed. And so it got me thinking when my sister said, Well, you know, do you think you have to not be as picky? And I said, I'd be single for the rest of my life to date somebody or anybody that says I love animals, but I'll still eat them. That's a difference. So yeah, I don't think that's a picky thing per Mm se. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I mean, there's some logic to that, right? There's some logic to that. You know, I've I've always had that question about, you know, how um, people would say, I, I used to ask people when I was in my young jerk years, do you, do you think your animal loves you? And people say, Oh yeah, my animal loves me. And then I go, Well, why, why is why is that animal broken up from their family then? Like, don't you think they love their family? If they love you, wouldn't they love their siblings and their their mother? Like, why are you breaking them up? And you really, it's one of those like just a jerk mood to say that to people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't say it anymore. But if 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 our pets are capable of loving us, then it stands the reason. They're capable of loving the family that they were with, but we break them up like it's no big deal. So I I think there is some logic to that. And I do believe that at some point, um, humans have to move away from eating animals. I do. Like, I don't know if it it will happen, but I was watching something, I think it was on the Science Channel. I think it was. I mean, it was either Science, Discovery, or History, one of those channels. And it was um, a food scientist talking about that right now, Right now, uh, in the world, we have the ability to not eat meat and to still get protein. We, and they said the easiest way to do it is you just eat insects. Like, we have enough insects, you know, to uh, simulate meat and get all the protein that we need. But then someone else said, but you're still eating a living thing, right? Wow. <laughs> and so this science is just saying, yeah, but you go down the chain, right, from, from these large animals to an insect where they are literally... The most populous thing on the planet right and so forth anyway so they were going through that so i do think there's some logic to it and i i would hope that we get to that point i'm not there yet but i i do see the logic in it yeah
0: yeah and i don't I, you know my my sister always asks this question when she has clients you know what are your top three values and my one of my my top value is compassion and that deals with listen i, I was a meat eater before until i knew right? Until I educated myself, until I saw a video that just ruined my entire life, that Mm -hmm. I stopped that next day. And so maybe not everybody works that way. And it's that whole thought process in regards to not just veganism for the animals, but just the oppression in general of people that have to work in those slaughterhouses, that have to, you know, that have to be the only way to make money is to have to work in that environment. So, it, from child labor to the fishing, to there's so many da- layers of dynamis. I don't even think that's a word, but the yeah. dynamics of the layers that go just beyond the the compassion of the animals. I'm about the compassion of people and how it translates down to races and and community. And all that stuff. So, I, I I was taken back by just how somebody could throw out the word love to your point, and then say that it's okay as long as it's k- killed humanely. Like it, right. so that it's almost like an oxymoron, right? So I, yeah. That was a good, I think this is a good, I think for me personally, and I don't know if our audience agrees, I think there's some layers of veganism and we as vegans, we have to be really careful of how we communicate things to the general population of non-vegans because immediately what happens is if I am preachy and always talking about veganism and oh my God, how could you do that? Why would you do that? That person then has to think that that's what being a vegan is. So I have to be super careful about presenting. I usually wait for people to ask me, or um, I, I post things that aren't graphic or cruel. More so, more thought of like just a just a thinking process. So you have to be careful of that I think maybe as on this platform to review some things every once in a while, and and maybe you have a question that you know, you want answered, or if some if someone in our audience wants to email to find out, please bring it. I, I'd love to have just the conversation and even one meal a day, not having meat has a, has a great impact on just the environment from land to, to the antibiotics, to um, our, our, uh, the, the methane gas, all of that plays into um, just going vegan and making those choices.
1: Like yeah. And you know, we, we mentioned that when we first started the show that uh, we would have time set aside to discuss veganism because you are vegan and I am not and I also think like you just said that we can have conversations about things that where people have differences and it's okay to talk about like there's a lot of stuff about veganism I don't know and so I thought you know what we should just bring to make this a topic because it could just be discussed and you share some recipes some foods and some philosophy behind it and it's not in a um in a in a shoddy match outside of Peter headquarters. You know, it's like that kind of deal. It's just, okay, let's just talk about this, just as reasonable, rational, adult humans. So and, and I appreciate it I like I like to learn. So yeah. I think it's a it's a good time just like we talk about our movies, and we stay shallow with our movies, we stay shallow um with our politics, and we just stay shallow overall. But we could cover a lot of different topics, and I think veganism veganism is a good one because you're a vegan. So why not?
0: I love it. Well, I know we, we went a little longer than we normally do. I think I, we got a little geeked out about JS JWST oh. and I rightfully so. I mean, to see something that like that in our time, in, in our life, in our life is pretty exceptional to spend some time talking about. I love just that you're back home safe in Sacramento. I appreciate uh, just our dialogue. I know you can find me at Jen Van Land and veg, If you want to reach out, have questions, any topics that you want us to talk about, please do. I know Myron always says, leave us a rating, rate us, share it with your friends. Something get it, but if it's negative, you know, go take that bullshit somewhere else.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We need more negativity in our lives.
0: (laughs) We can turn on the news for that.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Find me at Myron J. Clifton on Twitter, Myron Clifton, or Dear Dean on Facebook and Instagram. Um, I'm on TikTok, but I don't. I just go there to scroll and look at look at stuff. Um, check out my website at um, deardean.com and my amazon page at Myron Clifton. buy my books read them share them review them review our show and share our show and then uh, email either one of us with questions either on social media if you know us or if you know us directly and we like to include some of that stuff on this show and then we've got a request to include in our show notes some of the references and things we've been that we regularly talk about, whether it's politics or like Jim was just mentioning the James Webb telescope. And as soon as we learn how to do that, we're going to do that.
0: (laughs) So see you next year. Maybe.
1: (laughs) Well, look, we're on episode 14. Like give us a moment. We're going to figure this stuff out after a while.
0: All
1: right, Jim, enjoy your weekend. I'll talk to you later.
0: Yep. Bye. Uh,